It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's all happening in London this morning. The climate planks are pitted against the hard-working people of the city. Luckily, some of them have been arrested already. The lawyers are pitted against the democratically elected representatives of the people. And the opposition are plotting against the government how best to overthrow them without actually bothering to have an election. Isn't democracy marvellous? Coming up this morning, we'll hear whether Boris Johnson is going to be locked up for carrying out the will of the people, whether he may barricade himself inside Downing Street to stop the rabble alliance from removing him, and whether the President of France, Emmanuel Macron, can stop ordering his police to beat the hell out of protesters on the streets for long enough to actually read the New Deal that's being offered to the EU by the UK. Are you with me so far? How on earth did things get here? 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll head down to the streets of London to see whether we can find any scientists gluing themselves to any cars. And if they have glued themselves to my car, I might take them on a little ride. Also, Dawn Neeson's joining me this morning to talk princesses and dukes and the confusing world, of course, of royal privacy 0344 499 1000 but more than ever we need your calls today and your common sense so please do get involved it's the only place to hear common sense it's the only place to hear the unvarnished truth this is the independent republic of mike graham and you're listening to it with me mike graham the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio Now, there's all sorts of swirling tides going on at the moment. There's the swirling tide of the legal action in Edinburgh, uh, at which Dale, uh, Vince and uh, a bunch of lawyers are trying to organise a writ, basically, against the Prime Minister to prevent him from leaving the European Union without a deal on October the 31st. They're threatening to have him locked up. If he does so, we may get a ruling on that today. We may get a ruling on that tomorrow. Meanwhile, there's a meeting going on this morning of opposition MPs trying to work out what to do to get rid of Boris Johnson. Now, call me old-fashioned, but why not just have an election. Maybe that could be done. Over the weekend, we were reading all sorts of stories about Boris Johnson barricading him inside, barricading himself inside 10 Downing Street and refusing to come out, even if the police were outside the door knocking on it, going, Mr Johnson, we'd like to come in, please. It's uh, Metropolitan Police here. It's a ridiculous situation. There doesn't appear to be any business going on whatsoever inside the Houses of Parliament. It looks as though John Burko's plan to become the king of the country is not going to work for him. It looks like Jeremy Corbyn's plan is not going to work for him. And it looks like Joe Swinson's fallen out with pretty much everyone. Meanwhile, the streets have come to a standstill uh, because of climate change. Fantastic, isn't it? It's a great morning to be alive. 0344 499 1000. Let's talk to Henry Hill, who is from, of course, Conservative Home Assistant Editor. Henry, very good morning to you. Good morning. Now, with every week that passes, I always think to myself, well, we think we're getting slightly closer. Last week, I thought we might be getting slightly closer to leaving the European Union. Today, we seem to have hit another roadblock. Uh, Which one? Which one are you referring to specifically? Well, there are so many. Where to begin? I mean, the first one, I suppose, is yet again more meetings coming from the opposition side of the parliament uh, with ideas on how to get rid of Boris Johnson out of Downing Street without actually having an election. Well, I think the problem that the opposition have is that, you know, there are two ways for the, for the opposition really to get rid of a government in normal circumstances. Uh, you have a vote of no confidence 
and then either you put another government into Downing Street instead, or you have a general election. But the problem the opposition have is that they don't have an alternative government. They've barely got the numbers if they cobble them all together. Mm. And they can't agree on who the leader should be. You know, should it be Jeremy Corbyn? Uh, the Liberal Democrats won't want to put Jeremy Corbyn in power. Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want anyone else to go in. So they don't have an alternative government. And the polls show that if we have a general election before October 31st, Boris Johnson will very likely win it. So they're out of sort of the usual options. And they're instead bending the Constitution out of shape trying to find really, I suppose we might politely call them innovative ways of doing what they I mean, I suppose this is what I mean, really, that we've got an entire host of lawyers, politicians, academics, you know, pundits, all working on ways of getting the government out without going for the most obvious Route 1 uh, uh, opportunity, which is to grant an election and to say, OK, let's have one, let's get at it. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it, we're getting to really sort of quite strange and disgraceful places. I mean, what we're basically, where we're basically at now is that the, the opposition outside Parliament, and that means kind of the, you know, the lawyers and the, yeah. and, the big, and, the big, and the big money people funding the lawyers, are trying to force the government to pursue a Brexit policy which is entirely at odds with its own political position, with its promises to the British people, um, and they're trying to force it to do that because they don't have the strength in Parliament to put in place a government that will actually do what they want. And I think it's important to, to really recognise that for all that we hear about how populism is a challenge to you know our conventional democratic norms, you know this is you know, there's more than one way to do an extra parliamentary challenge to democracy. And I think this kind of bizarre attempt to govern the country through the legal system is another one. Yeah, exactly right. And it doesn't appear to be, despite the sort of the mass hysteria that went on when Parliament was prorogued by Boris Johnson uh, so long ago, it seems to have been last century, um, there's not been much done, to be honest, in the Houses of Parliament since they came back. And it doesn't look like they're going to do much today. Well, no, I think uh, certainly on Brexit, I think the problem is that both sides um, at that point, and, and really now, are playing a waiting game. You know, the, the opposition are trying to trap Boris Johnson in office long enough that he has to extend Article 50. Mm. And the Prime Minister was trying to find ways to run down the clock to no deal. Now, I think the moment the Ben Act passed, there was really sort of no use for the prorogation. But the thing is, there's no active scrutiny. You know, there's no new deal to scrutinise. The Prime Minister might bring back his, uh, his, his new deal for a vote of the Commons, but it won't be binding because he hasn't approved it yet. You know, this idea that there was lots of urgent business to be done in the House of Commons was always a bit of a fiction, and I think that what we're seeing now is the proof of that. Well, exactly right. And the other thing that I've more or less given up on now is sort of experts on the Constitution, because there's not much point in asking an expert on the Constitution where we are now, because we're nowhere near uh, anything that's ever happened before. And so almost everything uh, is possible, and almost anything is likely. Well, I think the, the problem for, for someone like me, a uh, constitution, my persuasion is the fact that after um, the Supreme Court judgment on prorogation, uh, which, remember, nobody expected, um, you know, the, the High Court had completely rejected Gina Miller's case in very strong terms, mm. and that was setting out the constitutional orthodox view. I think the problem is now that you just don't know what the Supreme Court is going to decide. Um, you know, it's the same with John Burko. You know, previously you had very strong conventions governing the way the House of Commons operated, and that gave you a set of uh, assumptions on which you could work. And then John Burko basically just started tearing them up. And I think we're now kind of getting to the same place with the Supreme Court. If you don't have a commonly agreed set of rules, then it's really difficult to be a constitutional expert because what the Constitution is can just change. Yeah, and it's also very difficult for me to see, and I don't know about you, Henry, but the way that the, the people against Brexit have been sort of comporting themselves and the way that they are kind of rabidly anti-Brexit, I don't see them ever stopping. You know, I see this kind of future where we are constantly in and out of the High Court, constantly in and out of the Supreme Court, getting politics basically ruled upon by judges at every turn. Well, I do think we are now... I've, I've been saying for, for a while, because I write about the Constitution, that I think that there will be some kind of confrontation between what we might call the political and the judicial elements of the Constitution. I didn't expect that to happen so quickly or quite so dramatically. Um, but I do think that you know, the, the Supreme Court's judgment is not something to be taken in isolation. It no. represents the latest step in a long 
uh, a long journey from, from the passage of the Human Rights Act towards increasingly interventionist, interventionist judiciary um, and, and, and judges kind of transgressing more and more on what has traditionally been the role of politicians. And I think a future government, possibly not this one, because it has to do with Brexit and what else could it possibly have time for, a future government will have to give quite careful consideration to what reforms are needed mm. to ensure that the judges play their proper role in our constitution, but that they don't overstep the mark. And meanwhile, what work is being done, do you think, behind the scenes inside the Tory party? We see a lot of polls in which the Tories are way ahead of Labour, of course, but we also know that there are seats which are vulnerable for the Conservatives, and we've already seen them lose 21 members um, uh, sort of overnight, as it were, after kicking them out. So is there still quite a lot of um, confidence, if you like, in the electoral um, plans for the Tory party should an election happen? Well, it all depends when it is. I think if there was an election before October 31st, then it looks like the Conservative Party would do very well, or quite well, uh, which is why, of course, the opposition are trying to prevent one. Right. Uh, the question is, if, there's, if Boris Johnson is forced to extend Article 50 by the Ben Act, the question is, do pro-Brexit voters blame him for breaking his promise, or do they recognise that he's been stitched up like a kipper by the opposition and back him at a general election? Um, and the way that it works is that, you know, given first past the post allows for some quite chaotic results. All sorts of different things are possible. It's, it's possible that you go into a general election, the Tory party could bring together most of the Brexit vote, keep the Brexit vote party vote down, the Liberal Democrats and Labour don't manage to agree a pact, and then you get a really good Tory result. But on the other hand, if you end up with Remain voters coordinating against the Tories and the Brexit party splitting the Tory vote, you end up with a very bad result. And both of those are perfectly possible, which is very unusual. Yes, it really is. And what about this latest plan as well to try and get the legal advice published? This meeting which is taking place today uh, with all the opposition parties, not only trying to work out a deal to form an alternative government, but also trying to get uh, Geoffrey Cox's legal advice. And Geoffrey Cox, I believe, uh, has already said that he will resign uh, if Boris Johnson doesn't ask for an extension. Well, Boris, what Geoffrey Cox has said is that he will resign if Boris Johnson uh, defies the law, as in, you know, he, he is legally obliged to send a letter and he doesn't. And that is, I think, the only position that a law officer, and, you know, Geoffrey Cox's attorney general, can reasonably be in. Mm. Uh, I think the, the question on everybody's mind is, has the government got a way around the Ben Act? Uh, does one exist? Um, and, you know, I personally suspect that it doesn't, and I think that even if it did, we'd probably find that it ceased to exist the moment the Supreme Court got to make that decision. Um, but there is, a, there is an understandable uh, push by the opposition to try and, if you like, find out what the government's thinking is in time for them to launch any legal challenge or parliamentary challenge that they need to to stop it. Yeah. But no, I think that if the government did break the law, then Geoffrey Cox would have to resign. I mean, that's perfectly reasonable. I suppose he would, but it's still not that clear. I mean, I find myself slightly aghast at even saying this. It's still not that clear what happens. I mean, all of this sort of mad conversation about barricading himself inside Downing Street, not being allowed to come out unless it's the police that have gone in and dragged him out. I mean, we're entering, I mean, really seriously kind of mind-bogglingly kind of mad territory now. We are, and, and I think you know, it's, it's unhelpful, the fact that, you're, you, as you said earlier, none of us really know where, we're stand, where we stand at this point. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the, the prospect of having a Prime Minister dragged out of Downing Street for breaking will always obviously be shocking. Uh, the idea that he has been put in that position because the opposition basically were forcing him to, to break his promises to the people is, is another dimension of, 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 of sort of shock. But the, for the big problem the opposition have, if the government really did decide to go for it, is the fact that, you know, it's all very well. You can find anything you like in British law. You, know, you, you can have the Supreme Court finding for you time and time again. But lawsuits take time to get through the system. And if we leave the European Union on October 31st with no deal... Um, as, a, as an operation of European law, then nothing that the Supreme Court or anyone else can decide can change that fact back. You know, yeah. if it turns out, if you, if you were there on November the 1st and, you know, you had Lady Hale saying, oh, well, Boris Johnson's whatever he did is null, void, and of no effect, that would make a difference. We'd be out of the European Union. So that's the source of the nervousness on the part of the opposition. They're worried that the government is going to do something which will not necessarily win in the Supreme Court or anything else, but will take, so, will take long enough to, to, to defeat that they carry us out of the European Union. Yeah, absolutely right. And what about Jennifer uh, Mercury, finally, our Curie, rather, uh, who was on the Piers Morgan uh, Good Morning Britain show this morning, not saying an awful lot. Uh, the move seems to, have, or the, 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 the comments around her now seem to have moved to whether or not he was having a relationship with her to, she's such an airhead, what the hell was he thinking, giving her any time whatsoever? <laughs> 
Well, I think, I mean, obviously, uh, can't, can't speculate on the specifics of the Prime Minister's relationship with anyone. I think the big question politically for, for, for this kind of thing is, what does it tell you about Boris Johnson that you didn't already know about Boris Johnson? Mm. You know, he, he's, in this regard, he's, he's a little bit Teflon. He, you know, things that would scandalise and maybe bring down other politicians just kind of bounce off him because the public have already made up their mind about what they think about the fact that he's a bit of a womaniser. You know, there is, a, there is an important question about whether or not he might have improperly used the office of mayor to try and get her public contract. That doesn't that appear didn't... to be going anywhere, that charge, does well, it? Well, that, that, that doesn't appear to be going anywhere, but, you know, that, that if it had been held up, would have been a substantial new Fact. Oh, for sure. Well, Listen, I would, and I would have been very much at the front and, uh, and centre of, of a critical uh, account of that if he had given money away to her because of something that he shouldn't have been doing. Absolutely. I would have been the first person to call for his resignation, but it doesn't appear to be the case. No, it doesn't. And Conservative Home would have been in the same position. But, you know, I think, I think personally, voters have made up their mind about Boris Johnson, and there's, I don't think there are many people in the country who are going to think, well, gosh, this is, this is one blonde too far. This mm. is it. That's, you know, changed my mind. So I don't think it's going to do much damage to him politically. OK. And the final piece of the jigsaw, I suppose we should mention, is uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, giving uh, Boris Johnson some kind of deadline for Friday. Uh, I'm, I was going to say earlier, I'm happy to see that uh, he's, he's stopped ordering his, uh, his police to, to, to stop beating the uh, the protesters every single weekend long enough to read the actual agreement. Well, I mean, you know, I think Macron is the bad cop in the EU's kind of good cop, bad cop thing. You know, he's demanding further concessions. It's difficult to see if the EU doesn't strike a more constructive tone what concessions Boris Johnson can make. Yeah. And the big mistake is that if you want Boris Johnson to actually make concessions, if you want the DUP to actually make concessions, the last thing you need to do is rub in their face the fact that they have to make concessions. You, mean, you need to make them look like kings. If you make them look like they're winning, then you create the space for them to back down. But if you keep trying to humiliate them the way that Macron does, you leave them with no option um, but to stand their ground. And I think that might prove to be deeply counterproductive. And do you think Leo Varadkar will caved into the suggestion from uh, from the DUP that he might not want to be the Irish Taoiseach that actually was the one responsible for putting up a hard border in Ireland? I think that that would have happened if we hadn't had the Ben Act. I now think that that will only happen after a general election. You know, we saw Greg Hands of the Alternative Arrangements Commission, which has put together a perfectly workable plan for the Northern Irish back, uh, as an alternative to the backstop. He said, look, if Ireland has to choose between the backstop and, any th and, and alternative arrangements, uh, they'll always choose the backstop because mm. the backstop gives Dublin exactly what they want. But if they have to choose between the backstop and no, or between alternative arrangements and no deal, because we've taken the backstop off the table and we're able to leave, then they start to look more favourably on alternative arrangements. But until we can put the threat of leaving with no deal back on the table, um, they, we've got no leverage. Yeah. They've got no reason to accept. Right. Well, another week of, uh, of sort of, you know, a long and winding road. Who knows where we'll be at the end of it, Henry? But thank you very much indeed uh, for your help. Henry Hill, their assistant editor at Conservative Home, with a whole host, as usual, uh, of eels trying to be put into a bag of eels, which is very difficult to do, particularly when the bag has a load of holes in it, uh, and is soaking wet. That's pretty much Brexit right now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Profits go to waste. left in any case. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It is Monday morning. The world is in a good place. There was a beautiful sunrise this morning. The sky was literally on fire. It looked red. It looked angry. It looked fantastic. Uh, and of course, that was only because Dawn Neeson was up so early uh, that she was working so hard. There was literally smoke coming out of Dawn Neeson's house because she was working so hard. Dawn, a very good morning. Welcome back. Good, good morning, Mike. Now, you've been a busy bee over the last few days, have you not? I certainly have, yes. I was on the, um, the lovely talk radio with the lovely Mark Golden last night, so now, it's a delight to be back this morning. Now, the good thing about working with you is that you don't mind being in the same room as the same person that you're working with, unlike the Royals, who are putting out tonight a three-minute a special video about mental health, which is all very admirable, but it's the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, i.e. Uh, Prince Harry uh, and the beautiful Meghan Markle, and of course it's also Prince William and Kate. However, apparently due to scheduling conflicts, they weren't able to film it all at the same time. It's very intriguing, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? it? I mean, this is a, a fantastic campaign. It's Every Mind Matters. Mm. It's an NHS uh, resource campaign that is going out on Sky, Channel 4, ITV, Channel 5 and MTV at the same time. And it's expected to get, what, 11 million people Something are going like to see this tonight. Mm. Um, so, and it, it, it's targeting mental health issues and it's setting up a, a, a helpline and a website so people can go there and, and get advice and, and a bit of common sense about dealing with this issue. And the four royals, the Fab Four, as we once called them, are reunited, sort of, um, to, uh, to do the voiceover for this advert. They're not actually appearing mm. in it. There are other celebrities appearing in it, like Davina McCall, Bradley Wiggins, Gillian Anderson talking about their own experience with mental health problems. Um, but the royals don't actually appear, but they do do individual voiceovers. Um, intriguing, very intriguing that they're not actually appearing in it. They, and that they, they recorded all of the voiceovers at different times. At different times as well, which, which does give a, a, a lot of credence to the fact that there is some divide going on between the two couples and between the two brothers. Because yeah, I was just thinking, Mike, I can't remember the last time we actually saw them photographed together, the no. four of them. No. Well, I mean, I mean the, the Harry and Meghan show has kind of spun off into madness, hasn't it, over the last few months? It's just well, gone, it's gone it sort of supernova. Yes, I mean, this is what I, I think is, is, is very, very curious timing, because this campaign, and we, we do know that, you know, the royals individually have, have, you know, have worked very hard on this sort of campaign um, before in the past. And this particular one, Every Mind Matters, has taken 18 months to put together. Now, which makes the legal actions, the, 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 the double legal actions that Meghan and Harry are taking against three of the biggest newspaper groups in this country... Mm. Very, very curious. I mean, why would you do that two weeks before this incredibly important campaign is launched on TV to 11 million people? And also, after quite a reasonably good, I would say, rehabilitation-style tour of Africa, where, you know, all the right pictures were put out, it was all very pleasant, it was all about sort of saving uh, poorer people who were, you know, suffering from disease and, and low incomes and all of that, and these lovely young people were going to help them and give them inspiration and all of that. And then suddenly, he blows it all up by deciding to sue the Mail on Sunday over something which they say uh, they don't believe they've done anything wrong in. Well, I, yeah, I absolutely do not understand the behaviour here or, or who is advising Meghan and Harry, if anybody actually is, and... Obviously, Americans are, are very big on lit litigation, unlike us, and so maybe this is Meghan sort of like driving, driving this thing. But, you know, as you say, the, the, the tour of Africa was going incredibly well. They had baby Archie, and it was, you know, they were getting lots and lots of positive coverage. And, and you know, everyone was thrilled that, you know, they were doing so well, and they were turning it round. Um, and obviously, when you're on a royal tour, you are representing the Queen. Mm. You're representing this country, and you're doing an awful lot of good for this country and for the country you're visiting. So to suddenly, with, the, you know, two days to go of the royal tour, to, to announce with a somewhat, it has to be said, hysterical statement from Harry himself, this legal action about the, the privacy issue against the male group, and then to follow it up with this sort of like a illegal targeting against sort of like mm. two other newspaper groups, it's... It, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and I really do think they've shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And as and a former editor yourself, Dawn, you will not have been at all surprised, as I wasn't, that the Mail on Sunday, this just past Sunday, had another massive load of uh, stuff to dump all over Meghan and Harry from her dad. Well, of course not. And, and you know, the intriguing thing is now, I mean, you, you know, Mike, as you say, you know, we've both worked in newspapers for a long time. You know, 
the royal family should have sorted out the toxic issue of Meghan's relationship with her father before we even got to this stage. And now, you know, we, we, we might actually come to a path that we are going to see Meghan facing her own dad in court in this country, mm. if this action ever goes to court. Um, and, well, I mean, you know, if I was a newspaper, make, make, sure, make sure he did. Well, you'd subpoena him, wouldn't you? I mean, I was saying this last week. The first thing you'd do is get him over. As somebody said to me on Twitter, well, at least he'd have an opportunity to meet his grandson, who, well, of course, exactly. he hasn't yet met. Exactly, and I don't understand, you know, you know, the royal family, they should have sorted this problem out and then they, they, we, we wouldn't be having, or they wouldn't be having this problem. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it's, you know, Meghan's dad, he has been treated quite appallingly, I'm sure, yeah. you know. He, he hasn't behaved well himself on occasion, but, you know, what I don't understand, if, if there, um, Meghan is suing over a privacy issue, which she is because of a legally published uh, letter she owns the copyright to, but this letter was also quite extensively used in the American magazine People, mm. where she allegedly um, briefed her friends or allowed her closest friends to talk to the magazine and reveal all sorts of things that were in that letter and about her relationship with her father. And some so of the stuff was through... laughable, wasn't it? Because, I mean, I don't really remember being that interested at the time in oh. reading the People magazine, but the stuff like, you know... Oh, you know, she's such a beautiful human being that oh, yeah, she, she's a great she cooks talker. all her own food. She doesn't even have a butler. I know. It was just, <laughs> I mean, but, but as you say, Mike, who actually cares? None of us really cared that much about no. it. And none of us really cared that much about her relationship with her dad. It was like, okay, yeah, these things happen. Let's all move on and, and, and get over it. But now, by going to court and, and issuing these legal actions, there's a whole can of worms been opened again. And... It's, it's just there's so much dirty washing that's going to be, be, be aired here. I, just, I, I would love to know what the Queen thinks. We're never going to know, obviously, but I would love to know what the Queen thinks about this. She must be absolutely horrified. She really must. And also the fact that shillings have been hired, who are more ah. famous for their super injunctions and representing very well-paid footballers, and they're not the royal family's uh, general law firm, suggests that they did this off their own bat, doesn't it? Well, the shillings are, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and then the royal sources have, have said that, you know, we absolutely knew nothing about this. We didn't know it was coming. So it's broken all sorts of royal protocol. And obviously shillings are celebrity lawyers. They specialise in gagging orders, gagging the press and super injunctions, which we can't even mention. Um, and the founder, Keith Schilling, you know, once suggested that there were too many newspapers in this country. Yes. So you know exactly what angle they're coming from. Well, I mean, he wouldn't have as many houses uh, as he does if it wasn't for the newspaper. Uh, quite indeed. There's an awful lot of lawyers going to get very rich out of this situation, mm. and it's, a, it's completely and absolutely overshadowing the, the the mental health campaign, which is incredibly important. You know, Meghan's relationship with the dad, okay, whatever, um, and sort of like you know, and and Harry's sort of like illegally being targeted by newspapers going back over 20 years. Now, interestingly, on that one, that is a is, is a group action yeah. being taken against two newspaper groups. Um, so, and it's it's. You know, that the, the boys and the mum were targeted. So why is it just Harry involved in this not in this action and not William? Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? There's it clearly does, yeah. a problem between those two, which it we does, still it, it don't really, really know what it is. No, it does emphasise the fact that there is there is a divide between the brothers, which is an, an incredible shame because, you know, you, you think back to, you know, when they lost their mum, walking behind the coffin and all that, and the, and the bond those two boys must have had growing up together. And, and now this divide... Mm. Um, and it is a divide. You can't deny it. I mean, sort of like a, you know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Kate and uh, um, William went to Sandringham this year, and but you know, um, 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 uh, Meghan and Harry didn't, and yeah. it's because the baby was too young. But right. the baby wasn't too young to be taken to France or Ibiza to see Elton John. Right. So it's it's, and I think the last time they were actually pictured together was last Christmas. Yeah. It's so, strange, very mm, strange. But, I mean, we all... I mean, and it looks as though this will be going on for a while because, as we know, legal uh, sort of machinery moves very slowly. There's not likely to be any kind of court case, if indeed there ever is one, until at least next year. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I mean, they reckon it will be next October if, right. if this does go to court. And, I'd, you know, I would be very surprised if either case does go to court. But mm. um, I, I, I sort of hope they do because... I think it would be, I think it'd be very interesting because, you know, Harry is accused, um, paper, newspapers, all newspapers, of lying about his wife yeah. but without actually saying what any of the newspapers have lied about. Well, exactly. Isn't I mean, it's perfect. You are allowed to be critical of the royal family in this country. That's, that's, you know, that's the relationship we have, and the royal family play the game. Diana, who I was lucky enough to interview many years ago, 
was was the ace at playing the game. She knew exactly how to work the media. Um, and it's interesting that Elton John wrote in his book, in you know, the adaptation of his book this weekend, that Harry is taken after his mum. He's got no interest in formality or grandeur. And I'm thinking, no, hello, he is nothing like his mum. <laughs> you know, he's got every right to invoke his mother's name in, in the, the statement he issued last week. But, you know, she played the game. She worked with the press and sort of had a very good relationship with the press. Harry is just alienating every single newspaper in this country. And I think, Mike, if you have a go at the newspapers, you're having a go at the people Mm -hmm. that read those newspapers. Exactly, exactly. And the the people that read those newspapers are the people that pay your wages, Harry. Exactly right. It's a dangerous game. It is. Rob has tweeted, I think, probably the best tweet to finish off off with here. Season 10 of The Crown is going to be fascinating, he says. (laughs) (laughs) Very good point. Delightful (laughs) to see you, to speak to you. See you soon. Dawn Neeson, former editor of The Daily Star, uh, columnist in The Daily Star, of course, frequent attendee here at Talk Radio and uh, on television as well. Uh, and here's one from uh, Rad, who says, please do your American accent impression again. Well, here's another thing that she said, right, Megan Markle. Apparently her friends have said, not only does she do all her own cooking, but she also, when it's cold weather, she takes hand warmers out to the guards, because that's the kind of woman she is. We're going to talk to Nick Dakin, Labour MP for Scunthorpe, because we told you earlier this morning uh, that apparently the 21 Tory MPs who were expelled from the Parliamentary Conservative Party have not voted with the Labour party in order to try and seize control of parliament business nick a very good morning to you good morning mike thanks good morning for, to your listeners thanks for joining us um i believe that this is the case uh, you can perhaps confirm that um the, the the plan to try and take control of the order paper has indeed failed is that right oh, i don't know mike i mean i think basically we're here getting on with our business so you know uh, i was over last week to the meeting uh, agreed with the health minister to talk about the need for capital investment in our local hospital. It's the bread and butter stuff that really matters to local people, and that's what I'm focusing on and working on. Okay, so uh, is there any action in the chamber today, as far as you're aware? I'm not sure. I mean, there was some speculation about stuff, but often this speculation just disappears like scotch mist, and I suspect that's what might happen today. But you never know. Things can change very quickly. Well, they do tend Um, to at the moment, don't they? But there was a great clamour for the return of Parliament after it was ruled by the Supreme Court that Boris Johnson illegally prorogued it. But since you've all been back, there's barely been anything worth a fag end actually being decided. Well, that's down to the government. The government uh, programme the business. Uh, To be fair, last week we did get the uh, second reading of the domestic abuse bill, which is a bill that we've been uh, clear that we would support um, and we've been keen to see come through Parliament for the last couple of years. So finally that got to the Parliament's floor and uh, there was a very good debate on that on second reading and that will move forward. These These are the important issues that we can crack on with now. Um, and, you know, no fault divorce is another one that we ought to be cracking on with at the moment. There's a whole raft of stuff which makes a big benefit to people in their daily lives, which we, Parliament should be cracking on with. Uh, but um, you know, the government's job is to bring the business forward. The problem is, though, tomorrow you're going to be shutting down again, aren't you? Well, uh, quite appropriately, the government is proroguing Parliament in a proper way um, in order to bring in a Queen's speech. We haven't had a Queen's speech for over two years now, so it is appropriate for that to happen. How, you know, having said that, you know, if there's an, usually you'd have a Queen's speech after a general election rather than what looks at the moment might be just before one. Um, but nonetheless, I, you know, I welcome the fact that that is happening in a proper way. I think the um, whoever advised the Prime Minister was pretty stupid on what they did previously because they just caused a lot of fuss which could have been well avoided by people doing things in the right, proper British way. Well, we're back to that, thankfully, now. Uh, Okay. well, so what about the New Deal, then? Because, basically, Boris Johnson says um, that Jeremy Corbyn says he wants to stop a no-deal Brexit, and the best way to stop a no-deal Brexit is to vote for the deal. Is that what's going to happen? Well, of course, Boris Johnson voted twice against... That's not why I asked you, you Nick. Nick, that's not why I asked you. It's coming from him, isn't it? Well, no, yeah, that's no, not what no. I asked you. That's in the past, right? So we're oh, back, no, as you, as you no, quite no, rightly no, say. No, hang on. Hang on, Nick. Nick, as you, as you quite right... There's no point the talking over me, thing. Nick. There's no point talking over me. If you, if you quite rightly say that we are back to the British way of, of doing things in Parliament, I'm not interested in what went before. What I'm interested in is what happens now. Are you going to vote for the Boris Johnson New Deal? Well, of course, he hasn't got a deal at the moment. What he's got is a proposal he's put to... Um, All right. What would you like me to call it if it's not a deal, then? Well, I, I, there's only one because language is very important, isn't it? 
The fact is, Mike, there's only one deal that's been agreed with the European Union, and that was the former Prime Minister's deal. Boris Johnson has... Well, hang on, Lisa, Na- Lisa, Nandy, Lisa Nandy told me that wasn't a deal either. Well, it was a deal with the EU. It was a deal that was agreed with the EU 27. The, oh, the you better tell, you better tell Lisa that. <laughs> She really was quite strong on this. But, look, here's the thing. You can call it a deal or call it an agreement or call it withdrawal or whatever you want to call it. My question is, are you going to vote for it? There is, Boris Johnson has put a proposal forward to the European Union. We need to see whether the European Union will agree to that proposal or whether at the end there is a deal. So you would prefer to... deal to bring to Parliament. I haven't got the question to be asked whether I'll vote for it or not. But in uh, order to... Surely to deal at the moment. Yeah, but surely to avoid a no deal, the best thing to do is to vote for a deal. Yeah, and I want him to bring forward a deal I can vote for, but he hasn't done that yet. Well, if he so brings forward a deal... That, well, all right. He can't bring it forward. Well, if he brings forward a deal, will you vote for it in order to avoid a no deal? If it's a deal which so uh, looks not, after that, manufacturing... If that's, it, no, if that's, not a, that's not a yes, then, is it? Well, I can't say yes or no until I see the deal. I mean, the deal he's currently put forward doesn't seem to me a particularly good one because it seems... The proposal he's put forward doesn't seem to be a particularly good one. It seems to have real problems. So you're effectively voting. So you're effectively uh, voting for no deal, then, Nick. That's what you're doing. No, I'm not. Yes, I'm you are. You know, you're talking about me talking across you, but you are the the, the master of talking across people. Well, so that's, that's why I'm on the radio, give Nick. People a chance to answer, Mike. Well, I'll give you a chance to answer. I've asked you several times, are you going to vote for the deal? And you've so far avoided the answer. But what I'm suggesting to you is that if you don't vote for the deal, for whatever reason that is, you are effectively voting for no deal. But that's just a load of nonsense, as you know. How is it nonsense? Well, because uh, I've voted consistently against no deal. Um, it's the responsibility of the Prime Minister to bring forward a deal that supports the court. Did you vote for yeah, Theresa May's deal? proposal so far, and that proposal has not yet been agreed. So right. hasn't got a deal at the moment to bring back. Right, so did you vote for Theresa May's deal? Um, I didn't vote for Theresa May's No. Because it didn't so, in fact, historically... So, manufacturing so historically, Nick, historically, you have never voted for a deal, which means that you have consistently voted for no deal. I voted uh, positively for deals brought forward, which include uh, being in a new customs union, which would protect manufacturing, protect steel-making areas like the one I represent. So I have voted consistently for deals that have been good. And, and of course, Scunthorpe voted to leave by nearly 70%, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Two right. to one. Uh, what, do you, what, what do you think your constituents would like you to do? They don't want this to go away. They want, they want to get on with things. They don't want to lose their jobs because we get this wrong uh, and neither do they want their livelihoods to be damaged so it's not my you know we, we've got as we know there's a big challenge to us all because we've got a representative democracy and then we've got this referendum which we're trying to find a way of delivering the referendum outcome in a positive way and that's been basically an argument about how we um, deliver leave and, and and we make you know i'm supposed to say that it's well, not, well, not Jeremy, well, well, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want to deliver leave. He wants to remain now, doesn't he? And no, what's, and Jeremy Corbyn's been very clear that um, <laughs> we've got to a point now where um, a deal needs to be put back to the British people for them to confirm after all this time that that's what they want. Yes, to and he's then said that also that La- and Labour would then campaign to remain. I think what, uh, what Jeremy Corbyn has said is that at that, that, that point um, we would see how good the deal was that was. OK, well, um, let me ask you one, one final question. Would you campaign to remain in those circumstances? Unless it was a, unless we have a fantastic deal with the European Union, which I still think is possible. I, you know, I think um, the re- I would probably campaign to remain uh, again, but uh, right. we're not at that point. At okay. the moment, we're at the point where we're trying to deliver... The outcome of what the about an election? We've all got how, how, what's, your, what's your feeling about having an election? I, well, we, Mrs May tried an election to resolve this problem and it made matters worse. I think the people want to get rid of this problem and move on. And yeah. Probably we're in a position where only another referendum resolves the issue. OK. Nick, thanks very much indeed. Nick Dakin, there, Labour MP for Scunthorpe, doesn't want an election, doesn't think that would solve anything, uh, doesn't want to have uh, a vote on a deal uh, if he doesn't like the deal, uh, doesn't say that he's voting against the deal because he hasn't seen it yet, 
uh, doesn't say that he's voting to leave the European Union without a deal because even though he's voted for every single other deal against it, uh, that that is where we will eventually end up. Uh, thinks that his constituents who voted nearly 70% to leave the European Union would like it if he campaigns to remain in it. Great, isn't it? Uh, I would like to debate in the House of Commons today, uh, says Jane. What does it mean to remain? Also tell the House if they have met Mr Barnier. Well, I think that's an excellent plan, but sadly, there will be no such debate in the House of Commons today because, believe it or not, the 21 Tory MPs, and this is information coming uh, from the Twitter feed of Robert Peston from ITV, the 21 Tory MPs expelled from the Parliamentary Conservative Party, plus Amber Rudd, who quit, today refused to support opposition MPs who wanted to put down an SO24 motion that would have allowed MPs to seize control of Parliament's business on any day between now and the 31st of October. So effectively, the Labour Party, which was planning to try and take control of the order paper once more, has failed single-handedly to do so. So uh, it's another win, I'm afraid, for Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings. The game is still afoot, ladies and gentlemen. 0344 499 1000. We do want to hear from you. Loads of you will get on. Loads more of you will be disappointed, but you've got to try. Let's talk to Ken, who's in Luton. Hi, Ken. Morning, Mike. Good morning, sir. What can you tell me? Well, Mr. Barnier, Tusk and Juncker yeah. must know that we're not going to go away. Yeah, well, we're not. Well, we are going to go away eventually, but we're not going to oh, go yeah. away quietly. <laughs> Should have played a. We've got to get out of this place. Well, exactly. Animals. Yes, of course. This is what I say. Can't they realise that even if they get what they want now, they're going to have a general election sooner or later? Well, exactly. And we're going to come out. Deal. I think what's good right now is that we have moved the dial to the point where I think now there's very few people saying we don't want to leave. I think even the most die-hard, you know, died-in-the-wool barristers who are desperate for us to stay in the European Union, even they, I think, have played all of their cards into the no-deal problem, right? So, so Jolian Morm and all his cohorts, the highly paid barristers of this land, who are trying to make sure that Boris doesn't leave without a deal... This is what have, people have, are seeing now. Yeah, but I think... EU's running us yeah. like a, a third nation. Well, they're trying to, but I don't think they're succeeding, actually, because I think the bottom line for me is when you're getting back down to sort of Emmanuel Macron making threats that if you don't change things by Friday, then we won't be accepting the deal. Well, so what? You know, au revoir, mon ami, I think you'd be saying to him, wouldn't you? But, Mike, I mean, if we... Go with a deal. It's going to be kicking the can down the road again. Not necessarily. As long as there's enough in there that everybody can get a vote around and they can get it through Parliament, I think it's the beginning of a very long and drawn-out process. No way are we going to leave and then suddenly we're just out, you know? No, but, I mean, it's it's, it's most probably the only way we'll get a, a, away with Brexit. No, well, in, listen, I'm, I, I, at this point we could leave any number of different ways. I wouldn't actually care, you know? As long as we don't tie ourselves into some ridiculous kind of slave-like process, if whereby... The, if the uh, small print that you've got to read... I uh, always read the small print, Ken, it's got to be done. What I'm saying is, is that as long as we're not tied in for a long time to some kind of ridiculous customs arrangement uh, or, you know, affiliation to the euro, you know, as long as we can get that out of the way and get out of the way the fact that they want to try and unite all of the defence forces, which I don't think we're going to have to worry about for too much longer, I think we'll be fine. Here comes the This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham, 0344-499-1000 is the number. John says, are you serious about the tents in London? This certainly solves my problem the next time I visit. I will simply bring my camping equipment and set up in Hyde Park. <laughs> well, I'll serve you a few quid on the old Airbnb bill or the £400 a night hotel charge that you're going to be hit with uh, if you have to stay in a hotel while you're here. It is extraordinary, is it not, that these people are allowed to come to London, one of the biggest cities in the world, and completely disrupt it without fear or favour, uh, glue themselves to stuff, chain themselves to things, hang about like a bad smell, literally, and tell everybody the world's going to end. Really? I don't think so. 0344-499-1000. Let's talk to Ryan, who's in the New Forest. Hello, Ryan. Good morning, sir. How morning. are you? Very well indeed. What can I do for you? Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm actually in Portsmouth. It's really grey and horrible. Is it, it always is here. I don't know why. So. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. After the beautiful sunrise this morning, it, it, has, it has clouded over somewhat. Must be something to do what with... What's going on with that? Must be something to do it's with climate change. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it is. Too much, too much CO2. Yes. Therefore, changing, changing our perception of the sun. Well, um, it's, 
uh, basically, I, uh, for the last couple of weeks, since you started really a couple of weeks ago, um, really sort of putting emphasis on how silly this might be, mm. I thought I'd go off and I've been on, a, like I said to Colin, about, I've been on about a week and a half Google mission. Every time I've got a bit of free free time over the last week has been researching a bit of climate change so I can actually really sort of have a look at what I think okay. is going on. And what have you discovered? And, uh, well, the thing that seems more rational is to look at it, and it's like, it seems like a bit of a them versus us sort of thing, sort mm. of like a, the kids versus uh, the good people versus the bad. You yes. Know, just the, we're going to clean the earth. So, th- therefore, the only bad thing that could be out of this would be capitalism. But mm. therefore, capitalism is what runs our society, and they don't normally give sort of um, a platform to these sort of things, uh, to these sort of uh, things against them, I suppose. But you've got... Um, Thornburg getting it platformed on the UN, you know, there's like there's there's, there's some high level things in organisations that are actually sort of quite happy to have this go on. So there's other theories, and the, the other theory is, or one of these conspiracy is to um, is that really this is a push for what would be a fourth uh, industrial revolution, mm. which will be the uh, renewable energies market, and will uh, the high end of sort of Western society could be regulated, taxed. Um, there's lots of lots of avenues that could be made uh, to generate revenue. Yeah, I mean, there's no uh, doubt that, that if you, if sorry to interrupt for a second, there's no doubt that if you follow the money, as they suggest in the Watergate situation, you will always find who's benefiting from whatever it is that is being done. And the people benefiting from this are not the ordinary people of this country. No, and they're definitely not the um, like you say the, the people that are um, getting themselves worked up to the point where. Uh, they're, they're putting it on themselves to try to change the world. We're, we're trying to change a framework which they absolutely have absolutely reach no. in whatsoever. Um, and I think the realization of that, or the lack of realization of that, is what's driving this. And uh, I mean, I've got a, a, I've got a four-year-old and a nine-year-old girl. So if this keeps going in the same vein, I'm going to have a, a really, really um, harsh couple of years, uh, sort of, with them you know, coming to terms with their feelings and things like that, because they think the whole world's dying around them. Um, it's just it's, it's, it's not breeding uh, a clever human's approach to it. If, it if really isn't. And the problem is, of course, that much of this has started in schools, and I think they've got a lot to blame uh, the, the, the teachers of this generation of, say, teenagers, right? Because they've been being fed this nonsense that the world is actually ending, that the extinction is upon us, that there are billions of people who are just about to die literally in the next five years. This is their argument. A woman on television saying that she's frightened that her children will not die of old age. They're actually deliberately frightening people. You know, Greta Thunderbird does the same thing. Frightening people into believing that there is some massive cull going on. There isn't. Well, I mean, with, uh, uh, with the Greta thing, I mean, it's, uh, look, looking at a bit of that as well, I mean, the, the, the autism factor is, is really big. Because I, I can't understand the two, the two arguments of it. Oh, so there's been many arguments to it, but the, the main one is, is either autistic people are... Normal people that, um, that obviously have uh, an opinion worth worth hearing, which of course they do. And then, but then to, the, the thing is that they've got something going on where they can't rationalise properly. Mm. That's why they're different. That's why we have to recognise it. Exactly. Therefore, we recognise that, but we give her a platform for... And she is being hopelessly and horribly manipulated. There's no question about that, Ryan. And I don't have any doubt in my mind that at some point in the future, she will realise that and there will be a massive backlash by her against her parents and by her hand, against her handlers. And the United Nations should be ashamed of itself. They've had this international panel on climate change for decades, right? But they've been faking the, the, the statistics and they've also been issuing warnings which have turned out to be completely untrue. Well, we're going to have a, a generation in years to come of extinct rebels. Well, that would be good. <laughs> that would be good. I think that's a good way to end. Ryan, thank you very much indeed. Let's talk to Pat from Stepney. Hello, Pat. Oh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, sir. What can you Look, tell me? Yeah, I, I, I mean, um, the, why don't the politicians, you know, do something useful and, and start changing the law on how we protest when we can... I mean, what I'm saying is that... You, you know, you can... Extinction Rebellion, you know, if they want to protest, which is their right, they can only do it one day a week. I mean, any protest. Yeah, they can do it in Hyde Park as well. You know, stick yeah. them in the middle of the park where they're not stopping any traffic, where they're not likely to cause a breach of the peace, where they're not likely to anger people to such an extent. I'm already getting tweets from people saying, can I walk through them? You know, I'm thinking of driving through them. You know, you don't want situations like that. You want to stop uh, any kind of law and order problem from, from, from being the case. And if you let them do it on bridges, on roads, which are going to, you know, upset taxi drivers, upset lorry drivers, van drivers trying to deliver stuff, you are potentially causing a breach of the peace. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I just said to you, Mike, 
the politicians should get together when you know when when they can, when they can tear themselves away from Brexit, and and come up with a, a set of rules that to to you know to do what they're doing a week or two weeks is illegal. Mm. You can only protest one day if if they want to make themselves a nuisance. They can only protest one day out of every particular week. Yeah. Right, and it and has it, to be, and it has to be a day that they're meant to be at work. I mean, what do these people do for a living? Is what I want to know. Well, well most of them don't. Most of them are middle class, you know, like uh, plumb in the mouth people. You know, middle uh, class yeah, dull uh, bludgers. You know, and and basically they don't. I mean, because anybody. I mean, if as I say, most people go to work, and and they cannot afford to have time off. Right. And in, in industrial, like most of these people, they, they haven't got a union pr to protect them. They can't sort of like uh, take a w two weeks off work, especially when they've had two weeks in the summer. You know, so to, to be honest, the politicians need to go and draft a set of rules about, you know, when you want to... I mean, most protest demonstrations are about a day here or a day there. You know, maybe two days over the weekend. But... During the weekdays, that the, they can own any particular protest can only go ahead on a specific, like on a day of their choosing, but one day. Well, how about week. on a day of our choosing? Sadiq Khan's the man for this, right? Sadiq Khan, the man who doesn't come on this radio station, doesn't come on my show, despite being asked several times, prefers to go on another show where he doesn't get asked any serious questions because he's too vain to actually do it. Here's the point he should be able to put a ring around London and say, you people are now banned. It's exclusion order, exclusion rebellion, we can call them. Uh, you can't come into inner London. You cannot enter the city of London. And if you do, you are subject to arrest and being locked up for 60 days. Well, I'd, I'd go one better. I'd, I'd, everyone that they arrest, it's a £5,000 fine. I like it. I like it. And make Extinction Rebellion pay the money, because they've got plenty of money, because the planks like rock stars are always giving it to them. Pound fine, yeah. Or if you don't pay, like say, like they arrest me, which well, thirty days to pay a five thousand pound fine, or we freeze your bank account for for three yeah. months. Yeah. I like all that. Listen, Pat, you've had some great ideas, tremendous stuff. More ideas like this, please, to fight back against these uh, exclusion rebellionists because, quite frankly, who gave them the right to think that they can usurp the power of the people in this country, the power of the people to go to work in this city uh, and to disrupt us for two weeks? Are you having a laugh? Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.